Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're diving into a topic that may, on the surface, give you a little bit of anxiety. It may cause stress to well up inside of you. But you also know that this is absolutely critical and critical for your success as we move forward. So we're talking about inventory management and we're talking about practical ways to manage your inventory in the midst of supply chain chaos. Uh, Because this is one of the ways you make profit as an e-commerce business. If you don't get this right, even if everything else is doing wonderfully like marketing and branding and conversion optimization, if the supply chain and inventory management is a wreck, you're not going to make the profits that you should be making. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce Resources. That's right. Here at OMG Commerce, we want to help make sure you're educated and in the know to capitalize on the latest tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your e-commerce business. So if you go to omgcommerce.com and under resources, click on guides, we have some cutting edge free information for you on things like how to dominate with Amazon DSP ads or how to use Amazon sponsor brand video ads and how to craft the perfect ad. We have several guides on how to capitalize on YouTube ads from creating the perfect ad to knowing when you're ready to scale. Plus there's a newly updated Google shopping guide plus more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com and click on guides under resources. And now back to the show. I'm delighted to welcome to the show an expert in this field, uh, Miss Chelsea Cohen. She's the co-founder of So Stocked, and she's so stoked to be here. Uh, it's an inventory management software solution for Amazon sellers. But not only that, Chelsea is an Amazon seller. She runs her own store, and she runs a copywriting and li- listing optimization Uh, service and agency. And so she knows Amazon inside and out and is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, dealing with your supply chain and inventory management. And so with that intro, Chelsea, thanks for coming on. Welcome to the show. And and how's it going today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's it's going great. Good, good, good. Well, we've got lots of good stuff to dive into. So we're going to talk about, you know, how do you improve profitability with supply chain, uh, container optimization, carton optimization, some really advanced things. We're also going to be looking at you know how to diversify your supply chain and, and how to really survive and thrive as we as we continue down this this period of supply chain chaos. But before we do, I gave a quick intro, but would love to get kind of the sixty or ninety second intro uh, from you uh, about yourself, Chelsea. So, how did you get here, and why are you so into inventory management? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So I've been selling since two thousand fourteen. Recognized it as. Uh, uh, inventory as a major issue in my business, something that was really causing my margins to suffer. So I basically uh, started asking around, what, are, what is everybody using? Everybody said that they had tried all the software out there, they'd gone back to spreadsheets, and I figured that that was a stupid answer for, you know, for us in our e-commerce and, um, and also entrepreneurship space. I figured someone's got to tackle it. It might as well be me. 
And so for the past three years, I've been exploring that and I've been um, really diving deep into inventory. I've talked to hundreds of sellers as we've built out our platform and really built it out based on what Amazon sellers need and found that not only was a software and a system not really put in place, but also the education side of things. Uh, was not in place. And so I basically kind of stepped into that role and decided that I was going to become an Amazon inventory expert. And uh, that's kind of where we're at today is it's been very, uh, very much an interesting subject. I found it interesting and I try to make it a little bit more interesting, a little bit less uh, terror inducing than it normally <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think that this topic of inventory management, supply chain, for some people, they just light up, right? Some people love logistics. My, a friend of mine runs this massive warehouse for a big not-for-profit, not so he can geek out on logistics. Some people can. Not everybody uh, is wired that way. But right now, in this environment, everybody, regardless of whether you kind of skew towards the marketing side or operations side of your business, like you, you've got to master this, and, and I know everyone is interested. Yeah. So I want to talk first about diversification. So, you know, as we're looking at the current environment, we have to diversify. We can't be dependent on just one supplier or, or even one country in certain cases where yeah. we get our inventory from. So what should we be thinking about in terms of diversification? What are some practical tips that you have? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. One is, you know, where you're sourcing. Um, right now there are moves into other places outside of just China. China's having various different challenges. They've got uh, they've got power curbing happening, which means that they're not allowed to access power for as long as they've been usually uh, accessing power that's been being shut down. Uh, so the timelines are increasing over there. They've got materials shortages. Yeah, and then just a real quick riff on that. I'm sure everyone's well aware, but I know yeah. some good friends of mine that are in, in the e-commerce space, they're, they're talking to their their factories in China or another good friend of mine as an employee that, that lives in China. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, some, some of these factories are working four days a week, right? Yeah. Or five days a week, or they've got no power at night. Or I've heard of some that are like buying huge diesel generators just to keep the electricity going at night when the government shuts it off. Right. This is wild times, so that, that's, that's increasing the time for things to be produced, yeah. Exactly, yep, yep. And you got raw material shortages. There's a cardboard shortage, which is just kind of horrific. It's actually... We're seeing cardboard come through that is supposedly seven-layer cardboard, but is very, very thin. So the quality of cardboard is also uh, wreaking havoc on people's people's inventory. Uh, so those are things that you know you have to get your inspection uh, company to to inspect as well. So people are starting to move into other countries. Things uh, places like India and Mexico have great spotlights on them currently. India probably has a little bit more of a of a um, head start to Mexico in terms of the logistics. There are uh, upsides and there are downsides, and I don't claim to be an expert in either of these countries in terms of sourcing by any means, but uh, some of the, the upsides, labor is actually cheaper in Mexico than it is in China, which is interesting, and I thought that was fascinating to, to learn. Yeah, but most people would not guess that, right? I didn't know that either, but it's super interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. So there are... And guess what? No shipments, right? They just go right. right across the border. You don't have to you don't have to worry about the Port of LA or, yeah. or Seattle. And, and Interestingly enough, because I do have a friend who is, who is starting to source in Mexico. I talked to him. He's actually living in Mexico now, and he thought that it was going to be a lot cheaper because you don't have to deal with that, but the cost was much higher. Uh, than he expected, and it wasn't. It, he did run the numbers, and it wasn't nearly as profitable as he needed it to be. 
However, that was when he was trucking into Dallas. However, he found a warehouse on the border right inside of the country and then all of a sudden the numbers made sense. So nice. you have to be creative and and find creative solutions and figure out where you know break down where do those numbers come from? Why is it expensive? What what legs of that transportation are most expensive and why? So yeah. that that became very interesting. So those are things that people are kind of exploring is India and Mexico, you're not going to get certain products out of either one of those those countries. There are certain products that you'll only for now be able to get in China still, but there are specific types of products that you will start to to be able to find um, eventually, yeah. I think. And, and it's so interesting, you know, just, just the way we, we look at different parts of your marketing funnel, right? As, as we're running at OMG, we run top of funnel YouTube and Google search and shopping and remarketing, and, and we run Amazon ads, all types of Amazon ads. And you know, we, we really like to look for, okay, what are the areas where cost is too high, where cost is disproportionate to return? And so we're, yeah. we're constantly uh, tweaking and stuff. I don't know that a lot of people think about that as far as supply chain goes, but the same type of mindset applies, right? Where it's like, okay, I know this should be cheaper. Ah, there's this one leg of the trip that's really causing this cost to spike. Let's reroute and let, yeah. let's find a, a creative solution here. Exactly, exactly. Cool. Uh, other things we should diversify, uh, and if not, I want to get into uh, flexible payment terms and logistics. I think there's some interesting things around there too. But any, any other points of diver diversification? Yeah. So uh, other things to diversify. I have. I call it the golden rule, and it's don't let anyone have all your stuff. When I talk to sellers uh, and they tell me that they've stocked out. I asked them immediately, well, why did you stock out? What happened to your inventory? Where was your inventory? And most often it was that they put all their inventory on a boat and the boat's just sitting there or that they put everything on a truck and Amazon hasn't checked it in. And there are reasons why Amazon is having problems with check-ins, which you know we could get into if, it, if the, the time comes. But the rule applies, don't let anyone have all your stuff you have to have a backup plan. So if you're going to put everything on a in a container, you should actually be producing a little bit more than a container's worth so that you have some inventory that you can air freight over only if you need to. You don't want to take on the expense if you don't need to, but you'll have your supplier keep that extra inventory and fly it over if that if you have problems at the ports. And the same thing goes with your uh inventory going into Amazon. You send everything, uh, almost everything LTL or FTL, and then you have your your 3PL, your warehouse, hold extra inventory that you can send small parcel delivery if needed. Again, those those two other me methods are more expensive, but they're a lot more reliable. And yeah, faster. and they're they're more expensive, but but they're not more expensive when you take into account the high cost of being out of stock and right. all the headaches go with that. And so yeah. I love that idea. You keep it there. You always have a backup plan because stuff goes wrong. We've seen that time yep. and time again recently. Uh, but then you've got it there only deploy that if you need to. Mm -hmm. and, and so that makes a ton of sense. Any, any other right. thoughts on, on diversification? Um, in terms of Amazon, most people who sell on Amazon sell using Fulfilled by, by Amazon having a fulfilled by merchant option where it's not just that your inventory is sitting at a warehouse in, in cartons, but you have uh, either an, an outside fulfillment center or maybe a fulfillment center attached to your replenishment warehouse and being able to fulfill, you shouldn't be relying only on Amazon as we've seen that the system is now broken. You can't only rely on Amazon to be your distribution center. 
Yeah, yeah. Because what happens when Amazon says, "I can't take any more inventory right now," or I'm, I'm uh, creating this the stock limit for you, yeah. which I know we'll talk yeah. about that. And so, okay, that's brilliant. So have FBM set up as a backup, even if that's not what you use primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes a lot of sense as well. Exactly. Cool. Um, talk about talk about f- flexible payment terms and logistics, and and yeah. so what what does that look like? Because I know. Really, this all comes down to profitability and business growth, but what, what does that look like? Right. So um, one of the things that we're doing that other sellers are doing is to work with your supplier to sort of lighten the load. So we talk about that extra inventory that's currently sitting at your supplier's warehouse in, in case you need to deploy it by air freight. The A lot of times, your supplier, one, won't charge you for that. They'll hold it for a period of time and not charge you storage. So instead of it sitting in sitting locally and you uh, collecting storage fees on a monthly basis, it's, it'll be sitting at your, where, at your warehouse with your supplier, and they'll be willing to hold it for you. Beyond that, uh, so everyone has to pay. You pay your deposit. So you produce a little more than a container in this particular scenario. You produce a little more than a container, you send that initial payment, but then when you send that that container, you only have to pay for the, the container. You only have to pay for the inventory that was sent. And the inventory that's being held is inventory that you've paid the initial payment on, but you're not paying storage fees on and you're not paying that final payment. That's something that is being worked, worked out with many different suppliers and uh, is something that helps you to better control your cash flow. Is that something that you found a lot of suppliers are, are willing to do in, in this environment? Uh, many suppliers are willing to, to be flexible and to help you out. They are. Some of them do get subsidies. Some of them are not big enough to be able to handle that, but we personally, our supplier is willing to do that, and we've found that there are many sellers that do have that relationship. If you have a long-term relationship or if you do large volume or both, it yeah. tends to be a little bit easier for you to negotiate that. And you just have to ask, right? It's one of those things yeah. that, that you're definitely not going to get those flexible terms if you don't mm-hmm. ask, and so you need right. to ask. And, and more often than not, if the supplier can do it, they will do it, yeah. So, so that definitely makes sense to, to ask. Exactly. Cool. Well, let's talk about let's talk about profitability for a minute. So, so mm-hmm. thinking in terms of how to be profitable here, and, and it's so interesting. You know, I, I remember when I was first learning real estate, and I never got into real estate, but but I was I was interested in it. Yeah. You know, I, I remember this the saying that hey, you make money when you buy the real estate. Which right. good luck with that yeah. uh, in today's inflationary real estate market. But I think in a lot of ways holds true for e-commerce as well, right? Mm-hmm. The profit yeah. is made on the sourcing and the production and now yeah. the supply chain. Because if supply chain costs go up three or four X, holy cow, yeah. now your profit is really suffering. So mm-hmm. how do you optimize for profit right now? Or what, are, what are some of your tips and suggestions? There? Yeah, so so yeah, so I, I we have the same thing. You know, you make money when you buy and that's on the sourcing side of things. We kind of take it a step further and say you make money before your inventory even checks in. Uh, and so that's something that I've been uh, lately very obsessed with there are things that are changing about how how shipping works. Shipping costs started in 2020. Beginning of 2020 were $2,000 per container are now pushing $10,000 per container. So that's an extreme hike in shipping yeah. costs. And I even heard there there's some some periods of time, and, and it depends on when you're listening to this, but I've heard containers being like 30K for, for a little while in, in, right. in some instances. And so it's just insane. Yeah, depending on yeah, depending on where where you're going. Yeah, right. definitely. It's just been it's been crazy. So 
finding ways to kind of shave some of those things off and paying attention to what's happening. What are those new fees and new, there's, there are new minimums, there are new maximums. Uh, for example, we had a particular product that we actually, by just changing the container, we were able to save 68 cents per unit for this particular product. And it was because, for one, our freight forwarder had some minimums. Their minimum was every container is going to be charged at least at, at least 12 kilograms, even if it's under 12 kilograms. So we had our cartons at 7.7 kilograms. So we're, we're losing all of that money because we're being charged for weight that doesn't exist. And so there was that side of things. There was the weight fees that we were able to counteract by changing the, the carton size and putting more units per carton into that. But the other side of things, putting more units per carton, because everyone used to send to Amazon and you, know, you didn't really have to worry about the third-party warehouse. Now you have this middleman that's charging you for every single thing that happened. They're receiving it, they're unpacking it, they're you know palletizing it, they're doing all of these things. And one of those things is is called a carton pull, which means it's just handling the carton, and then carton labeling. Carton labeling is just slapping a label on a carton. But combined, those two costs can average you about six or sorry, three dollars and fifty cents, three dollars and sixty cents. And so when you put more more units per carton, that particular cost gets dispersed over more units and you're able to then save more. So that's one of those things where it's important to start looking at can I optimize my my cartons? And I'm actually currently in a spreadsheet right now, building out a, a tool to be able to calculate these things is something that we built ourselves. Um, for our, our business, we had to do that calculation and figure this is something that doesn't exist that now needs to be, uh, needs to be developed because the amount of money that someone can save is just uh, extraordinary. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and it really is the, the death by a thousand cuts on the yeah. cost side, yeah. but also the, the real creation of profits if you're able to start saving some of those, those little fees. Right, right. Design. Yeah, there are, there, are other, um, there are other free tools that I thought uh, would be good to mention. Uh, some of them are free, one of them is paid, but in terms of there's, there are other levels. So you have container optim or carton optimization, but then you have container optimization and you have pallet optimization. There's a tool called onpallet.com, and that will help you to build out a pallet. You need to remember that there are six inches that will be the pallet measurements. So when you're using the tool, make sure to include the six inches when you're following Amazon specs. Um, and then the other tool is a container optimizer. It's called Peer to Peer. So peer meaning uh, you nice. know where like you dock. Peer out of the water. <laughs> yes. Like rather than peer to peer computers, a, a peer to peer um, in the water kind of. Exactly. Thing. So peer to peer with the the, the number two dot com forward slash load calc, and it helps you to calculate your container. So those are some tools uh, that people can use to help save them on on costs across the supply chain. Nice. Love it. Love it. Uh, very cool. So, so you know, one of the things we're really trying to avoid here, and, and, and you've, you've talked about this a little bit, where, you know, we've got inventory in a container, but we're keeping some that we need to air freight over just in case. Um, but, you know, one of the things you want to avoid with, with inventory management is being overstocked, right? That's no good. At, at Amazon, they're going to charge you extra fees, and then you've got money tied up in inventory, whether, whether you're financing that and then paying down the loan or whatever. You know, being overstocked is not a profitable move, but being understocked, 
can be the death of a listing or, or you know, can really cripple your business. And so mm-hmm. how do you find that balance of not running out of stock, but also not being overstocked? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, one of the things that, that you need to be able to do when you're trying to estimate is to look at your data in full. So for example, we had Prime Day last year in October but we had Prime Day normal, you know, in the normal time, which is July this year. So if someone were to try to project out October of this year using last year's data, they have this huge spike in sales, this two-day sale, that could cause them to overestimate. So being able to, to analyze your data better, and it, it's difficult when Amazon doesn't give you all that data. They give it via the API but they don't give it to you in your reports. So if you don't have a software that handles that data and it gets granular with that data, you need to start tracking some of these big sales events or some of these spikes that you see. Some people have a spike that happens just because some someone in you know at Martha Stewart found their product and listed it on a list of favorite things or something like that, and they get this huge spike in sales for that reason temporarily. So those types of things need to be tracked, those sales spikes, so that you're actually estimating properly. Um, That coupled with being able to plan out your inventory uh, paired with your marketing. So those those are kind of some of the the basics on why people tend to over order is not analyzing their data properly. Nice. And and then, you know, what what about, you know, ways to, to prevent from going out of stock. And, and certainly an element there too is, is forecasting and understanding, right. but but other tips there, because some of that is just dealing with Amazon as well. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, uh, fulfilled uh, by merchant is one of those ways. It's, it's not, you're going out of stock in FBA, but you're not necessarily going out of stock. You're not, you're not, your sales aren't stopping. So having that other distribution channel becomes very helpful. A lot of Amazon sellers right now are facing restock limits, and restock limits are wreaking havoc on a lot of businesses. They're a bit unpredictable, but there are certain things that we know can help to boost those. So not getting into what we call a restock uh, restock limits uh, cycle, the cycle of your restock limits, you know, are, are, are such that you're having a hard time getting your inventory in and then you stock out and then your restock limits go down and then it's the, then harder to continue to actually recover from that. Yeah, it's, it's a downward spiral, so to speak, of like this restricting right. restock limits. And I hear this is hitting a lot of people. I know some very successful sellers, some big brands that you all would know of right. that also have weird restock limits, right? Just based mm-hmm. on some of these things. And so um, you and I were talking about as we were prepping a few weeks ago, there are kind of four points Right. right, that impact your restock limits mm-hmm. with Amazon. Can you unpack those a little bit and, and give us some tips there? Right. Well, I will make a, a little bit of a differentiator. There's um, restock limits, and then there's the IPI score. And so you have, it's really frustrating, but you have these two different factors, uh, inventory factors that are battling. And most people don't, there are a lot of sellers that don't have a problem with the, the IPI score. The IPI score, it means inventory performance index. And it's basically looking at, how good are you at managing your inventory? And they're going to give you a score. And if you go below that score, the, the, the score right now, it's 450. If your score is below 450 for each quarter, for that entire quarter, you not only have restock limits, which is a, a per unit, right? They give you, you can only send 5,000, you know, units of inventory in, but, and that's your restock limits, but your 
inventory performance index score and your, your IPI score in, uh, actually, when you have it below 450, hurts your storage volume. So they give you a unit limit and then they give you a volume limit. And very often the volume limit is lower than even the unit limit. And so that's kind of... Volume a, meaning the amount of space on the shelf, not just how many units we'll accept, mm -hmm. but hey, we're just, we're carving out this much shelf space. So fill yeah. it up. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it can be very extreme. So we have, I uh, had a, uh, someone reach out to me and he was having problems understanding why he couldn't send inventory in. And he had... I think it was uh, 3,000, uh, the ability to send in 3,000 units, but the size he was allotted, I looked at the size limitations and I did the math, and it was actually the size of a refrigerator. Whoa. Yeah. So it was Not very, very Not 3,000 units in there unless it's like, you know, silicone wedding rings like my buddy. Right. <laughs> exactly. So he was having a, a hard time, and then at that, that point, the only solution is to, to fulfill outside of Amazon. Which, which will help, it will help your, your sales velocity, it will help with those factors. So improving- so By selling on Fulfilled by Merchant, that increases your volume and velocity and that can right. actually increase those stock limits. Right, yes, and it helps, you, uh, it helps you to start to improve that. The thing, if anyone has that problem where they're being restricted by those storage volume limits, their number one focus needs to be getting that score up. And that score, uh, as we were, were talking about before, it, it is actually four different things. It includes excess inventory, so you need to remove that excess inventory, and Amazon will let you know what that excess inventory is. Okay. Then there's in-stock rate. So being in stock, whether it's fulfilling outside of Amazon or within Amazon, being in, in stock is a factor. Stranded inventory is a factor, and that basically means that you've got inventory that is... What's that? Stuck on a boat or something like that. Well, it's it's stranded within Amazon, so it's oh, um, it. sitting at their warehouses, but it, the listing is not live. So maybe the listing was shut down. Maybe you're selling uh, another brand's product and they no longer allow you to sell it. Whatever it is, to to fix whatever that problem is, either pulling the inventory or getting that listing live will fix that. And that's the lowest. I, I think really the lowest. Um, the most easy problem to solve. And then the last one is sell-through. How quickly is your inventory moving from the point you check it in to the point it actually leaves? And when you look at all of them, the stranded inventory, in-stock, excess, and sell-through, it's all they're all components of sell-through and they can all yep. be improved by sell-through. Yep, yep, totally makes sense. And that's, I was about to ask, like, what is the one metric? Because if you look yes. at... There's several things that I won't get into in this podcast. It's not relevant, but Google has a quality score that they give to every ad, and mm -hmm. and like there's one component of quality score that's really more important than others. It's called right. click through rate, but uh, yeah. but yeah, that sell through rate. That's really what you want to optimize for. And so if you can increase that, then everything becomes easier, right? Right. right. Amazon's happier. You're happier. Customers are happy, ideally. Right. So, um, in, any thoughts there on increasing sell through rate? I know that that then opens up a big yeah. new world of <laughs> advertising, listing optimization, and all right. that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it really is two factors. It's utilization, so it's how much inventory you have sitting at Amazon versus how many sales you're making. That, the formula is looking at your 90-day sales uh, divided by your utilization, so the average number of units you have inside of Amazon. So really, when you increase your sales, say let's say you have, you know, you're doing some fulfilled by merchant stuff. 
Uh, I would say pull out some excess inventory. If there's a product that's slow selling, continue to sell it on FBM. Those sales will contribute to that top line, but not be contributing to that bottom line. So that will help you increase your sell through that as well as smaller orders more frequently. Yeah, nice. I love it. I love it. Um, and, and so we may have already addressed this a little bit, but mm -hmm. but some tips to avoid your restock limits decreasing if something does go out of stock, right? Because lots of issues going on right now. Some things are going to go out of stock. Right. Uh, uh, other levers you can pull, things you can do to avoid those restock limits from crashing. Yeah, so for sure. There are three different things to focus on. Um, one is, like we talked about, fulfilled by merchant. Those sales do contribute to your restock limits. They contribute to your sales velocity. So fulfilling by merchant, uh, seller fulfilled, any, any sort of fulfilling by merchant, that's going to help you. Those sales do positively affect your restock limits. Then there would be excess inventory flash sales. So you have, let's say, for example, you have a product that you have a lot of inventory on. The beauty of, it's called, it's called storage type limits. So there, uh, for about a year, a little less than a year, there was something called, um, called ASIN type limits, which means that you've got a limit for every single SKU. So if you run out of one, there's a, it's a very difficult thing to get it back because for a period of time, you basically have no inventory, you have no sales, and you have no way to correct the depletion of your restock limits. Now we have storage type limits, and it's been painful for a lot of people because they've dropped things very low, a lot lower than the ASIN type limits. But at the same time, you have the ability to use your entire catalog to boost the, the limits. So you run out of stock in one of your products. You can look at what products do I have that I can push a little bit harder so that I can create, fill that gap that's going to be created, or at least try to fill that gap to avoid the plummeting of that restock limit. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. Right. Uh, awesome. Well, Chuck, this has been incredibly insightful and impactful. I do want to talk about your software and hopefully if people are watching the video, they, they see the, the clever usage of, of toilet paper on your, on your shirt <laughs> running out of stock and it's got a little yes. toilet paper roll running off, which is appropriate for 2020, uh, which is, you know, last year, but still, uh, but, and then also the fed up with this sheet and then it's got uh, <laughs> toilet paper with, it looks like a spreadsheet. Uh, yeah. It's really clever. Um, what is so stocked Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all know the, kind of the, the basics, but but what does it do for people? And so give us kind of the, the quick walkthrough. Sure. So so stocked is designed to be able to take your your e-commerce data. We're moving into Shopify. Hopefully by the time that, that this episode airs, we'll be in Shopify. We're in Shopify beta. But we started out with Amazon and really finding uh, and creating a solution for Amazon sellers that was better than their spreadsheets because every other software out there left people going at, screaming back to their spreadsheets. So that was a big red flag. So we take what is possible within a spreadsheet and make it understandable and customizable so that people who are selling on the platform can not only forecast their, their inventory based on past data, but also the future planning. We call it inventory-minded marketing, which is plugging your marketing into your inventory to be able to help you to forecast more accurately. And then once that forecast has been created, you'll be able to click a button uh, and place a PO with your supplier 
you can email it directly from the system, and then it tracks everything, which was a big problem for a lot of sellers not being able to know where their stuff is and when it was supposed to be arriving. And so it helps you to track everything from your 3PLs, your open orders with your, uh, your suppliers, and to be able to understand why the numbers are what they are. Yeah, extremely, extremely valuable. And, and your software also helps, right, when you when you create some of these scenarios we talked about where you've got some product that you're putting on a container or other products you're holding back and you're going to air freight it. And so it can kind of help track all of that as well, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. very cool. So if someone wanted to check it out more, what would be the best place to go and, and how should they, uh, you know, view a demo or, or check it out? Sure. Um, go. I would say go either go to sostocked.com or you can also go to sostocked.com forward slash connect. That's where you'll find me. You'll find my socials and uh, a demo link as well as a link to the webinars that I do. Yeah, awesome. And, and I've seen some of the webinars. They're very good. If you've gotten this far in the podcast, you realize this was a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of information that, that Chelsea has unpacked. And so I'm extremely grateful for that. Any any final tips, any final tips, final thoughts, and or mm-hmm. do you have any bold predictions for 2022 mm-hmm. and, and beyond as far as supply chain goes? Sure. I would say one of the final thoughts I like to leave people with um, that recently was kind of opened my eyes was how much your vendors know and how much you need to use them as allies. We've been using them a lot as order takers. And what I mean by that is that we've got these 3PL warehouse owners and we've got these freight forwarders and they're constantly shipping inventory across the planet and into Amazon. And they know more than we do. So we've got people who usually, sellers usually go and they they do uh, Amazon, they do an Amazon order and they send that order, the Amazon ship, shipping plan, and they send that to their 3PL. And they say, go, send, my, send my stuff. But that currently, it could change in three months, that currently is not the best way to send things. Your 3PL managers will know the best ways to send your inventory, the best workarounds, the best providers, the best companies. Right now, Amazon's really falling all over itself and really getting a lot wrong in logistics. So Amazon partner carriers are a little bit less reliable and that's why people's stuff is not checking in. So talking to your freight forwarders, talking to these people and finding out and really picking their brain is extremely valuable. It's one of the ways that we saved all that money on the the carton calculators. We had our freight forwarders say, hey, the size is wrong. You're going to be charged extra. And so the conversations that I've had have just completely opened my eyes into how much we don't know. Love it. Love it. So play uh, Nostradamus here. Uh, predictions for 2022. Mm-hmm. What, what happens to supply chain? Um, I don't think that it's going to... I think maybe it'll get a little bit better. I don't think it's going to get a lot better. I... Yeah, maybe we'll see things like the cardboard crisis and <laughs> yeah. right so some of some of those things, but yeah. but yeah, it's going to get back to normal like pre-pandemic normal. No, no, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I think that we need to be prepared for it not to. I think that Amazon, uh, personally, uh, in that whole ecosystem, they they say that restock limits are going away. I don't believe it. I don't. They have these other programs that they're rolling out. Um, they're in, they're are programs that are in beta for logistics, for supply chain, and also for storage and restock limits. But the, it's Amazon. They haven't 
they have been really not reliable re- lately, so I'm kind of waiting to see what happens, and I'm not yeah, ready to yeah. dip my toe in that pool. <laughs> exactly. Let, let, let's uh, feel confident about that. When we see it with our own eyes, right. rather than just hearing it. Yeah, and you know, I've heard, and, and not to end this uh, show on a doom and gloom note, but mm-hmm. I've heard some people that know supply chain well say, hey, there's likely to be some, could be a strike at one of the ports, uh, yeah. Port of LA, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Because uh, about do about every five years they say the longshoremen like to strike out there in, in uh, LA, so we could see something like that. Uh, suffice it to say, things will continue to not be normal, and things will continue to be challenging. That's why you need expertise like Chelsea provides, and that's why you need to really consider a tool um, like So Stocked if that's a good fit for your business. So check it out. Uh, Chelsea, this has been so much fun. Who who would have thought that inventory management and supply chain and logistics could be this much fun and this enlightening? But you have delivered, uh, uh, pun intended, I guess. Uh, but but thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And you betcha. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of? Uh, what topics should we delve into? Give this episode some love if you enjoyed it. Share it with people that you know would find it interesting. That's a great way to, to give a thanks back to the, the show, uh, is to let other people find it. Uh, also, if you found this useful, we'd love that five-star review on iTunes. That uh, not only makes my day, but also helps other people find the show as well. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.